Everything in this world is, is prone to decay. It's prone to falling apart. And it's prone to death. This morning, our Lord is going to remind us of this truth, a truth that you and I work very hard to put out of our minds, Uh, the truth that this world is passing away. Jesus has been teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount about an exceeding righteousness, a, a righteousness that is not of a greater quantity than the scribes and Pharisee, but of a different quality. That is a righteousness that is far greater than, the, than merely obeying commands and submitting to rules, uh, but a righteousness that is internal and transformative. Jesus has been warning us against a, an, a showy righteousness, a righteousness that seeks to be put on display. He warned us about how our giving could be turned into a means to receive the praises of men or or how our prayers or our fasting could be used as a means to boast our own self. Jesus has taught us how to pray and particularly how to ask God to meet our needs. Give us this day our daily bread, Jesus taught us. But there's a temptation when God provides material blessings in our lives that we begin to worship the material rather than the God who gives us such gifts. This is what Jesus will teach us next week, that how we can become anxious, uh, so obsessed with the material world that we live in that we become anxious people concerned about what we wear and what we dress and what we'll eat. As he warns in verse 25. And Jesus here has also taught us that if we pursue, excuse me, a righteousness that is not of this world, we will receive an eternal reward. And the temptation for us this morning might be to seek these temporal rewards like the praises of men over and against the eternal rewards that are ours in Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to think together in Matthew chapter 6. So I invite you to turn there if you've not done so already in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for he he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What is Jesus' point? Well, Jesus makes this argument that disciples of Jesus, Christians, are to have a 
singular devotion to the kingdom of God. We are to have a singular devotion to the kingdom that is coming. Whether it be our investments, our affections, and our ultimate allegiance must be to the kingdom of God. And so this morning, what we are encouraged to do in this text is to reflect, where does my allegiance lie? What is it that has my affection? Where am I investing? Am I investing in this world or in another world? Where where is it that I ultimately understand myself to end? And so Jesus here in this text presents three sets of pairs. Look at the text there. He, He talks about two treasures, two eyes, and two masters. There's two kinds of treasures that Jesus mentions, earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. Jesus talks about two kinds of eyes, a a good eye, a healthy eye, and a bad eye. Jesus also mentions two masters, either God or money. In our passage this morning, Jesus here sets forward for the disciple a singular devotion to the kingdom of God. He calls us to another world to to invest in, to look for, and to serve a, a God who is otherly, who is not of this world. So let's look at each of these these pairs that Jesus lists here. First, in verses 19 through 21, Jesus describes two kinds of treasures. Jesus says, lay up for yourselves, or do not lay, rather, up for yourselves, treasures on earth, verse 20, but rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus here is telling them to stop doing something and to start doing something else. They were amassing for themselves worldly treasures, treasures that Jesus describes as those which can be destroyed, those which are corruptible and unsecure. Notice what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, of course, we all know that our possessions begin to wane over time. They are moth-eaten. Uh, for a first century Jew, this would have been, of course, something they would have experienced every day. Their clothes would have been eaten up. Now, in the text here, you see the word rust there, but most likely the word, the idea there is vermin. That is, it's being consumed. And it could be rust. Rust, of course, does consume objects. It, it, it literally eats away at an object. The picture here is one of a temporal and temporary nature. Earthly treasures, are are, they do not last. They they do not stick around. They, They deteriorate over time. They are destroyed. Jesus will teach his disciples to invest in a place where where their treasures do not wear out like this world. Calvin says it this way. He describes these who amass earthly treasures as those who are blind and destitute of sound judgment. Why? Because they give themselves so much toil and uneasiness in amassing wealth, which is liable to putrefaction or robbery or thousands of other accidents. I mean, who, who among us hasn't bought something brand new, like a new car? And what are we worried about when we get that brand new car? Well, we don't want to get a scratch on it. We don't want to get a dent on it. 
My family uh, makes fun of me because whenever I go to the store, I don't park up front. I park in the furthest spot. And lo and behold, every time someone parks next to me. Our things still get dents and scratches on them. But we are so obsessed. We, we spend thousands of dollars on insurance to make sure that our stuff sticks around. You know, think about the, the phones that we carry. Thousand dollar phones we carry around in our pockets and we think they're not going to break. We trade them in and trade them in. Jesus says that our earthly treasures not only are corruptible, but they are prone to thievery. Notice what he says, where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is giving you a wake-up call. He's reminding you of the corruptible world in which you are amassing your treasure. Have you ever had something stolen from you? A number of years ago, we had a nice garage and shed out back with all my tools, thousands and thousands of dollars of tools. And, and one night I walked in there and, and I was making a beeline to a particular tool. I, I walked into the room and, and, and went right to where that tool was. And, and one of the things that, that struck me is, you know, when you're in a space and you know that space, you know when things are out of place. And I got this sense of things are not like they should be. And lo and behold, someone had broken in and stolen thousands of dollars worth of tools in a moment. And I was so frustrated. There's a sense of anger, a sense of personal violation. How dare you come and take my things? Jesus says, listen, if you're investing in earthly things, people are going to steal them. People are going to take them. Your investments are going to run out. Your, your stock market funds are going to dry up. Your stuff is going to rot. Of course, Jesus here isn't saying that having nice things is wrong. Jesus here is not advocating for some sort of uh, poorness among God's people, but rather an affection for another world. Jesus describes heavenly treasures as those which, notice verse 20, where moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus here describes a disciple's work as one that is not duplicit. In other words, one who's not divided, but is singular in their devotion for the kingdom of God. They understand they have a different perspective than those in this world. We know that this world is going to burn. Why are we so consumed by it? One of the indictments on the uh, evangelical church here in America, I guarantee you, history will tell a story about a church that was consumed with the material, consumed with consumerism. We look more like the world as Christians than we realize when we look at how we spend our money. And what we care about and what we invest in I have family members that stink and have to buy a new house every couple of years because they have to keep up with the Joneses. Is it an exhausting, exhausting world? You will never have enough stuff in this world. Notice what Jesus says there in verse 21. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In real estate, it's location, 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 right? (laughs) So it is with your soul. Where your soul is located, where your affections are located, where your heart is, Jesus says, there's where your treasure is. Friend, this morning as you're thinking, hmm, I want to know what kind of treasures do I have. Look no further than what you care most about right now. The word heart that Jesus uses here means your, it is the object of your affections, your will, and your emotion. Our hearts are what we are attracted to, what we care most about, what we can't go without today. Maybe for you it's food. Maybe for you it's the money in your wallet. Maybe for you it's some possession. Maybe it's even family. Something is your treasure. Something you care more about in this world than the other world. All these things will pass away, but his kingdom is forever. Remember Jesus confronted that rich young ruler? Dude was wealthy. He was loaded. Right? That's everyone's dream. That's what we're told, right? If we win the lottery, we will be happy. That's what we're told. Maybe that's what you think. Well, there was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus and and told Jesus, like, I am not only rich, I am faithful. I obey all kinds of good commands, even the ones that nobody pays attention to. These are the ones I pay attention. And remember what Jesus said to him. He says, listen, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor that you may have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, Jesus isn't advocating that we can't have wealth or we can't be rich, but Jesus was confronting that rich ruler with where his heart was. See, his heart was was in his treasure, in his stuff, in his bank accounts, in his house. That's what he cared most about. We know, sadly, this story ended with the man leaving, walking away and saying, no, man, I can't give up my stuff. Or as we heard earlier in 1 Timothy The temptation that the rich will fall into and the senseless desires that we often plunge ourselves into in this world. Friend, what grips your heart this morning? What is it that has your attention right now in your life? Jesus says where your heart is, where your attention is, what you are consumed by, that is your treasure. Perhaps it's that promotion that you need at work. Maybe it's that title that you want to achieve. Uh, Maybe it's that perfect family and and your kids all obeying and and submitting and following. Maybe for you, your treasure is in material possessions. If you could just buy this or have that, then you would be happy. Jesus warns us in this passage that stuff in this world can captivate our hearts and steal our attention away from the other world friends it's 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 the same argument that we've been thinking about in regards to rewards why would we exchange rewards like the praise of men for the eternal rewards in heaven who do you think is a better giver Who do you think is going to give better treasure? I mean, you really think the junk in this world is great? God, 
the eternal God who spoke into existence this cosmos is got some treasure in heaven for you. It's eternal life with him. There is nothing this world has that is better. There is not enough stuff in this world that will ever pale in comparison to the eternal life you possess today in Christ. It's yours today. Friend, if you are in Christ this morning, you are the richest person in all the world. You have Christ. And he has you. Two treasures. But not only are there two treasures in this text, we see there's two heart or two eyes, rather. Two eyes. Look there at verses 22 and 23. The eye, Jesus says, is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus describes two kinds of eyes, healthy eyes and bad eyes, or some translations, evil eyes. Two eyes. Jesus says our eyes are a lamp to our body. It's, a, it's an interesting kind of phrase that he has here, isn't it? What does Jesus mean that our eyes are the lamp of our body? In other words, Jesus says that our eyes give attention to what we care most about. It's what gives us direction. Literally, the phrase that Jesus here uses is eyes, healthy eyes, are eyes that see straight. One translation translates it this way. It is to be motivated by a singleness of purpose so as to be open and above board without guile or straightforward. In other words, healthy eyes are eyes that can see straight. They're eyes that are focused singularly on one thing. And that, in the context of this, is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. These, this, this eternal life that we have in Christ. They're, they're not consumed with the things of this world. They're focused on another world. Verse 23 describes the bad eye. But if your eye is bad, notice what happens. Your whole body will be full of darkness. It's, it's an infection. It's a cancer. It runs through the whole body. If your eyes messed up, your whole body. Well, this is true, of course, if we can't see. What are we going to be stumbling around and, and falling down? We need to be guided by good eyes, by, by right seeing. And, and so this morning as you're thinking about the, this sort of two perspective, do you have a singular devotion to the kingdom of God? And the context here, again, is on material possessions. What are you focused on? Proverbs 28, 22 says this, A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. He can't see. He's blind. Pastor Rod and I were talking earlier this morning about how sin blinds us. It's like, it's, it's so blinding. We, we, we think that everything's good. We, we think that life is great, but, but we're dying. We're dead in sin. 
Brothers and sisters, we can have such a a blindness to the kingdom of God, a blindness to material possessions and things around us that that we miss, that, that our hearts are really in this world rather than into the world to come. It is a warning to us this morning that this world can and will corrupt us. Friend, if you think you can chill out with the world and hang around the world and not be affected by the world, I think you are sorely mistaken. This world rubs up on us, rubs off on us more than we realize. This is why we, we, we do church in community. Because, see, we need help. We need, we need other good eyes to help us see, are we following Jesus or not? We need brothers and sisters in our lives who can, who can look into our lives and, and help us follow Jesus faithfully. We need those in our lives who, who will ask us these questions. Are you devoted to the kingdom of God? Are you seen straight this morning or are you seen crooked? We want to walk, Jesus says, in the light. He, he uses this sort of uh, John's idea of light and darkness here. And, and it's sort of oxymoronic, isn't it? Look there at verse 23. If then the light in you is darkness. It's like, wait, wait a minute. How does light... Darkness are polar opposite. And that's Jesus' point. Jesus is, is like what you are guided by. It's, it's the same way of saying where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. In other words, just a little bit of darkness spreads through the whole body. We want to be illuminated by another world and not this world. We want the affections of another world to inform our affections. We want the kingdom to come, Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We want that true, not of the whole world only, but of our own individual lives together. Friend, this world will corrupt us. And so we need good eyes. And thirdly, we see here in verse 24 that that there's two masters. Jesus describes two, two masters here. No one, he says, can serve two masters or, or two lords. He uses the word service there, servitude. Well, clearly, you can serve two people, right? It's possible. You, you go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress is serving more than just your table. So Jesus' idea here isn't that we can have a duplicit service. But rather, the word that Jesus uses here is servitude, slave, a bondservant. One who's a slave of another, you know, you have one master. You have one owner. And Jesus is saying that no one can have two owners. You're either owned by God or you're owned by your stuff. You see how that works? Listen to what Jesus says there, Gip. Do you get it? You are either owned by your stuff or you're owned by God. In other words, you think you own your stuff, but your stuff owns you. You think that you're the possessor of these things, but in reality, these things are possessing your life. That's why you're so consumed by them, because they own you and you are their slave. And you will never have enough of it. We've all watched those hoarding shows. 
You see, see that stuff? You're, you're, I watch that stuff, one, because I'm OCD. Like, that just bothers me a little bit. I have a hard time. I get, like, in, in, in really bad anxiety watching this. I just can't watch this stuff. Like, but I wonder, like, how did it get? To, that, that didn't happen overnight. You don't get that much junk in your house overnight. It happens slowly over time. You're like, ah, oh, man, I need that. I need to bring that home. Put that there. And then you get some more stuff and some more stuff and some more stuff. And, and here's the thing. If anyone's ever struggled with that, you know, and you could confess to us this morning, that there was, you could never have enough stuff around you. There was a comfortability that came with having that junk around you, but it was never enough. And Jesus here is saying, listen, you cannot have two lords. You cannot have two masters because you're either going to hate one or love the other. Do you hear what he's saying to you this morning? You can't ride the fence. You can't walk the line. Johnny Cash, you just can't do it. You will either have God as your Lord or you will have your stuff as your Lord. You'll be more concerned about what's in your checking account and what's going on in your investment funds. You'll be more concerned about the the cars in your driveway and the, the cool boat down at the whatever. And the question Jesus here is warning, or rather the question Jesus is asking here this morning is what are you enslaved to? In a positive way, are you enslaved by God? In other words, like that's, there is no better master than God. Who will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never trade you away. You are possessed by him. He owns you. This is glorious and beautiful. And the reality is, is you cannot have a mixed allegiance. You can't at at one time say that you love stuff and at the other time say that you love God. Now, you'll look here at the, this last sentence Jesus has. He says, you cannot serve God and money. Now, most translations have a little footnote there to help, help, help the, the reader understand that Jesus isn't just talking about money, like cash, like dollar bills. Okay, he's talking, the, the language he's using is mammon, that is material possessions, right? That's why we keep using the word stuff. Right? Because what is consuming us might be the love of money, but it might just be amassing a bunch of junk in our life. Or people. It could be a whole host of things. So don't just think this morning that Jesus is going after folks who got money. Right? It is not wrong to be rich. All right? So if you're if you're loaded this morning, praise God for that gracious gift of money in your life. All right? Just because you have, you know, God's blessed you with material possessions does not inherently mean that that's evil. But it is, it is a warning, right, of the grave temptation of having material possessions. And Jesus here is going after the love of money. The love of material possessions. And the question for you this morning, are you generous with your stuff? Are you generous? Here's what I mean. You might love your house so much that you are never generous with it. 
You, you might love your car so much. And I'm going to preach myself real quick. Uh, you might love, you know, you don't want to get it all scratched up so you don't let anybody drive it, right? Like nobody drives. Not even my wife drives the car. Right? That might be you. Or your home. You're so concerned about keeping it or whatever it is. No one, it's just for me. Are you generous with your things? See, see, when we are generous, we are fighting against the temptation to want to hold on to the things of this world rather than leveraging all things for the glory of God and the kingdom to come. That's what we want to do. And so as Christians, we need to understand we live in a material world. All right? You can sing the song to yourself later. We live in a world of material things. God created a material world. We're not spirits floating around. Physical world. So don't miss the point that physical things are wrong. But see the temptation to want to hold on to physical things. To turn this created world into an idol that you worship. Friend, I just hope you hear this truth this morning. That the things of this world will keep you from an eternal world. They will keep you. They will keep you from heaven. Okay. You can fall in love with this world. But friend, this world is going away. And that's why Calvin says that. That they are fools. And dull of mind. And you are playing a fool's game if you are in love with this world. Because this world will keep you from God. This world wants you to worship it rather than the one true and living God. Friends, Christians are to have a singular devotion to the kingdom of God. Our investments, our affections, and our allegiance must be to the kingdom of God. You have a choice. You can either store up for yourselves treasures here on earth, or you can store up eternal treasures that will never end. You, you, man, you understand, like you will have that for trillions of years. Trillions of years. That cool vacation you want to go on and blow a bunch of money on, that won't be around in a trillion of years. But people coming to know Jesus will. And lives transformed will. You can either have your eyes on this world and, or seen straight in a kingdom to come. And you can either be owned by God or owned by the things around you. Isaac Watts captured, I think, the best in the reality of this world when he wrote all the vain things that charmed me most. Friend, this world will charm you. It will charm you into believing that it is good and right. But we must, as as Watts went on to say, sacrifice them, slaughter them, kill them for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us invest in an eternal world to come. And stop investing in this world. Stop amassing uh, possessions here in this world. But may we store up eternal treasures for your glory and our good. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.